business and bourbon. The audience wants to know, did you guys grow weed? <laughs> I'm a woman in Montana, and there's a little bit of an old boys club out here. Outside right now, there's a river. I think there's an eagle grabbing a trout. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally do business anywhere if you're taking advantage of the tools. and With the rise of remote work and just more people spending time on devices, there's a real sense of isolation. Create something, create an experience, something where people can connect. That's the nugget that I'm looking for. You shut me up, which is hard to do. Oh, come on now. <laughs> the technology's there. Mm -hmm. The mentality isn't. To stay competitive and stay relevant, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on my digital platforms where I can access that leadership, where I can access people like you, like you, like you. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. I am Ronnell Richards, the creator and your host. We tend to think in the business world that everything revolves around the tier one cities, right? New York, Atlanta, LA, cities like this, right? You think that you have to be there if you're gonna make it, and if you're gonna make it big, you've gotta be able to compete in those markets. Well, you know what, whether it's politics or business, we tend to forget there's a whole big world and big country out there here in the United States. We've got great cities, great tier two, great tier three cities with some really fantastic professionals that are doing big things. You know, it used to be back in the day that, hey, if you were the biggest thing in a city like Akron or a city like, oh, I don't know, Tulsa, you were just there. Well, no, now you can be worldwide. You can be not only a big deal in that city, you can be a big deal in Atlanta, big deal in Seattle, San Francisco, LA, all operating out of a tier two, tier three city. Well, how do you do it? How do you do that? How can you be successful when you make your home in a tier two, tier three city? Well, you know what? I invited one of my good friends, June, onto the podcast this week. I wanted June to share her secrets to success. June comes from really cool, humble beginnings and has a really fun story that you guys are going to really enjoy. But beyond that, she is a marketing dynamo. She has really been successful and done that while living in the heartland of America. While living in some tier two and tier three cities, she's really amassed a great career and done really well with that. So I wanted to invite her in so she can share her secrets, share her story, and help some of you guys out there that are in tier two, tier three cities, which let's be honest, that's the majority of the country, right? Help some of you guys to level up and learn some best practices from what she does. So with that said, it's time to go, people. Grab your glass, grab your cup, grab your mug, grab your thimble. I don't care. Whatever it is you like to have your very favorite drink in, go ahead and pour that drink in there. Sit down next to us and enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. And I am joined by one of the realest people that I know. I don't know what it is. Do I attract people with dope hats? People that just know how to wear an amazing hat. Yeah. Um, we are recording in beautiful Missoula, Montana. And I'm looking at a river. I'm seeing like bears and mountains. Okay, there's no bears and mountains. <laughs> but I am joined by the lovely, lovely Miss June Moore and her beautiful hat. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's kind of out of pure laziness that I love hats so much because I just don't like to do my hair. So if you're going to wear a hat, may as well look fly. You yeah. Know? 
Oh, I like that. <laughs> and you're making yeah. it work. So, okay, you've listened to Business and Bourbon. Yeah. And in fact, you listen to every single, just say yes, every <laughs> single episode. I'm nearing every single episode. Okay. So, you know that we, the first thing that we always want to talk about is what we're drinking. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, I'm ready. What are we? What's what's hot in Montana? What are you drinking? I know about what's hot in Montana. Um, I should say Montgomery Distillery. Distillery. Yes. So, so that's one of my favorites. The Sudden Wisdom, obviously, that's the one that I sent you. Um, Shout out to I'm Montgomery having, Distillery. Yeah, Montgomery Love you guys. Distillery. Today I'm having Bullet, an old fashioned. So that's what I'm. Little hair of the dog. You can't go wrong with a Bullet old no. fashioned. No. Classic. Yep. Okay, so I am drinking the Balvini. This is a 12-year, and it's delicious. Like, and they've, they've given me the perfect glass. Yep. I love these. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. The whiskey glasses. The Yes, I'm business and bourbon guy, but I cannot remember exactly what you call these. They're called the uh, Glen Carney glasses. Okay. Someone will send me a DM or a text and say, yeah, I know you screwed that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm enjoying it. It is so delicious. It looks beautiful. Yeah. And it, might and have to still it looks beautiful, too. Yeah. It, feel try. free. All right. Feel free. All right. <laughs> so, hey, again, want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. And um, for those out there in the, the wide world of business that do not know you. Yeah. Let's tell, let's let them know. Let's tell me a little bit. Let's, let's give them some context. Tell me a little bit about what you do. Sure. Um, so I currently am the director of growth for Afari, and we are a creative agency. So we cover all of your traditional creative services. We do website design, graphic, logo, print design. We also have some pretty technical engineers on our team. So we can go beyond just doing a, a WordPress um, website. For example, we have a client in Florida that's a marina, and we started out doing web design for them, but we've actually been able to build out a reservation platform for them. Um, So it's it's essentially a SaaS product um, that we've been able to integrate into their website. So we have some heavy-hitting engineers on our team, which is really fun. And then I sit on the marketing side of the house. I do a lot of marketing strategy with clients, so we're able to do... Kind of so, so that's Drew. Well. That's what I want to get into. Yeah. First of all, yeah. <laughs> uh, Drew, your boss, yeah, from um, West Virginia, Vir- Beach. Virginia Beach. Yeah, we don't say West Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. he, he just loved that commercial you just gave him. Fantastic, oh, yeah. right? But we're here to talk about you, and then we're yeah. gonna get in some real talk. And we're yeah. talking about hey, your, your be journey. Yeah, I wouldn't be a good salesman if I didn't give a good I know. for us. So that's that's what it. Yeah. And you did it. All right. So your role. Yeah. Let's talk specifically about your role. Yeah, so as director of growth, I sit pretty squarely over two functions, um, sales and marketing. So I do a lot of our social media and social posting. I do um, marketing events like um, LinkedIn Local and other events in town. Um, And then I also do client acquisition. So I'm out doing prospecting, selling, um, bringing clients, uh, onboarding clients. And then I also do a lot of our strategy work with clients as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Love yeah. it. We're a lot of different hats. So yes, you do. But <laughs> the reason why I wanted you on the podcast, first yeah. from the podcast is, first of all, you're a marketing whiz. Thank you. And, and you and I have had sit down and had some conversations, and I sit there and listen. Matter of fact, you were on our business and bourbon panel. Yeah. And you killed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You shut me up, which is hard to do. Oh, come on now. <laughs> There's a couple questions. They're like, okay, June, answer those questions. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I got nothing to add to that. Um, so, again, business and bourbon, yeah. you know how we do. Mm-hmm. So, we're in Montana. Mm-hmm. You're living in Montana. Yes. 
You're moving to Tulsa soon. Right? <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to talk yeah. about your journey. Like, first of all, how did you get to Montana? Yeah. So um, I'm originally from Northern California, a small little coastal town up in the Redwoods, in the Redwood Coast, just shy of the Oregon border. So that's where I grew up. I grew up going fishing and hiking and backpacking. And, and so the outdoors have always been really important to me. Um, my dad was a fisheries biologist. So I grew up backpacking in the Trinity Alps, the, the Marble Mountains. Yeah, just outside all the time. Um, and just really love nature and, and love being outside. It's a place where I connect and I can kind of be myself and really let go. I love being in an environment where I can I can do that pretty pretty quickly. I've lived all over the place. I so I grew up in NorCal. I lived in Sacramento, went to Sac State. I studied abroad in Greece. I've lived in San Francisco, Seattle, Honolulu, Boulder, Bozeman, and what? then here. Um, so the question about how I got to Montana, I was doing a master's program in Seattle, and a classmate of mine was from Bozeman. And we decided to do our final capstone project in Montana. We worked with the Montana Outdoor Science School on a rebrand project. That was my first journey into Montana. And I just remember making that drive from Seattle and just being blown away by the Rockies. I had never seen anything like it. And I thought, you know, one day I want to come back and I want to live here. So, yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of people that listen to the podcast. They live in markets that are similar to, we're in Missoula right yeah, now. Yeah. They live in markets similar to this. And, um, you know, as I travel around and I come to, to cities like Missoula, I am always just awestruck by the depth of talent. Like yeah. People like you. But when you're working and living in a tier two, tier three market, yeah. what's that been like? for you having traveled all over and doing business now here mm -hmm. um and you know because again there are a lot of people out there that i think can identify sure you've been successful yeah how yeah i mean i just had this conversation with a client that's based in atlanta actually this morning and i was joking to him about my sales strategy he said yeah i'm real strategic i said i'm a woman in montana and there's a little bit of an old boys club out here and, and it can be very no, difficult to break no there into. isn't old boys club <laughs> especially, especially as a woman and especially as somebody that's not from here it, hold on it's 2019 those don't <laughs> exist anymore yes right? they do they're alive and well um I would say, so So our client base, we're not just in Missoula, although I've, I've built a book of business in Montana. Our client base is all over. We, we have pretty big clients that span, you know, all over the place. So we're not just doing business here, but to do business here, it's just knowing your buyer. You know, it's knowing what's important to them and providing unique experiences for them that excite them and get them interested in, in wanting to work with you. So you just made a point that I don't yeah. even know that you know you made. Okay. Okay, you said you have customers all over. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that what I pulled from that, which is super key, is that I don't care where you're at. Yeah. Like, Missoula, Montana, Ogden, Utah, shout out Ogden, Utah. <laughs> with technology and this global economy mm -hmm. we deal with, you can literally do business anywhere if you're taking advantage of the tools and um, using that the technology that, that's out there to do that. Yeah. Here's what I've seen yeah. in my travels. Sure. The technology's there. Mm -hmm. The mentality isn't. Mm. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Say more. So it's like tier one city, mm -hmm. Atlanta, mm -hmm. New York, LA. There's that grind. There's mm -hmm. that drive. Mm -hmm. People, there's that competitive nature, right? Yeah. We all have access to these tools. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's beautiful. I'm looking outside right now. There's a river. I think there's an eagle grabbing a trout out <laughs> <laughs> or something. Um, you know, 
it, I can imagine that it's hard for people to have that mentality to, that it takes to compete with the folks in, in tier one cities, right? Because there's a relaxed environment. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what I've seen in some of these places, like I'll tell you where I'm from. Yeah. It's constant go, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's these constant motivators all around for people, right? Mm-hmm. You've always in competition, well, whether you're just driving down the street yeah. <laughs> because you're in competition for traffic yeah. or you're at the office. Yeah. How do you tap into that when you're surrounded by this? Yeah. I mean, look, I've lived in, in pretty big cities. Boy, living in Honolulu, man, that traffic was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't miss the traffic. I think there are definitely a lot of talented people in this market. And the way that I see it is I'm not expending my intellectual or mental or emotional energy in those environments that are tapping that from the stress of traffic and from other things. So I don't have to grind in the same way. I'm still very driven. I'm still working. I work weekends. I, you know, I still have the hustle, but I can go hiking on my lunch break. I might stop work earlier and go have happy hour and sit on a patio because it's beautiful outside. And I, I do have a, a view of the mountains. And those restorative qualities, I think, of rural communities are what allow people to still produce good work. I like that. Yeah. And my travels and going to many different cities and honestly experiencing opening up an office in one of those tiers. Shout out to Ogden. I opened up an office six or seven years ago mm-hmm. in Ogden, Utah. What I found is that a sales office, I mm-hmm. found that it was very difficult for me to hire sure. the same type of of people because yeah. in Ogden they just didn't it's a different lifestyle they were comfortable with less and that's cool it's not a judgment or anything mm-hmm. so but I found it to be a little bit harder to find those type of people that really wanted to grind and really wanted to make it happen because it was such a relaxed environment so I look at someone like you that is competing nationally and globally yeah. and, and wonder okay what are you doing in that market and in a similar market mm-hmm. and what can people that are like, cause there's a lot of people listening right now that listen, this is a huge country. Yeah. Everyone doesn't live in tier one cities, obviously. No. Uh-uh. And um, I moved but- out of them for a reason. I was tired of feeling, feeling exhausted all the time. And gosh, you know, I've been living in San Francisco almost 10 years ago or how many years ago now. I'll never forget just like driving, circling around my apartment, looking for parking and just being like, why? Yeah. You know, you're so tired after however long, you know, however many hour work week or day, and just like, oh man, I praise God, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't miss it. I mean, I, I so the challenge that you're talking about is real. Obviously, like I'm not going to say that it doesn't exist. There are talent challenges. I think that's when we rely on remote work and we look at the future of work and look at different models of. You know, we're looking for people, and those people can be anywhere, and they're here. Yeah, they're and so, so those, those people are listening to us right now, yes, absolutely. and I think that it's very important that yes. they know that. So you talked about remote working. Yes. We talked mm-hmm. about technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. if you were a sales rep in Missoula, Montana, sure. um, you're just competing with sales reps in Missoula, Montana. Absolutely. Now you're competing with a sales rep that's down in Atlanta, a sales rep that's in Seattle, a sales rep that's in Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're now connected yeah. because of this tag. From that, I would say strategy wins. I would say to stay competitive and stay relevant, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on my digital platforms where I can access that leadership, where I can access people like you, where I can connect with people that are A players and people that are in these you know, tier one markets. It's not that I 
don't interact with them. I interact with them on a daily basis. There it is. You know, so it's, again, it's having a diversified approach. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like I said, I just talked to a client this morning that's based in Atlanta, and he's going with us, and I'm here in Missoula. And it's because of my background, and it's because of the skills and the strategy that I have to bring that I am feeding people in Atlanta right now. That's the nugget that I'm looking for. The benefit of having this tech and having this global reach is that your environment is not limited to your immediate geography, right? And so like in the past where where I talked about, hey, if you're in this, you're in Missoula and it's beautiful and people are fly fishing and they're running and have this great lifestyle. And that was the only thing that influenced you. Like environment is powerful, right? But using LinkedIn, using the tech, I can now, like you're on a daily basis connecting with people that are all over the globe. So you can draw on that energy from them. Absolutely. You motivate them. They motivate you. Do you follow me? It feels like that's what you're... You know, and when I was asked to teach at the university here, I taught digital marketing um, in the fall. And I brought guest speakers in from our local business community, but I also brought guest speakers in from all over the nation. You know, I heard that you had this guy... He was from, from a, he was from, no, no there's this guy that was from Atlanta. And I heard that he was amazing. Oh, the AB, yeah, Sangram. No, um, I oh. believe it was <laughs> Ronald, Ronald, was it Ronald? Ron, oh, no, Ronald, that's that guy's name. That was how we met. That's very true. You got to speak with my colleagues, too. I yeah, did. Yeah, they loved that. I saw somebody the other day that was like, I'm so sorry I couldn't come to that. They were like bummed after they went to business and they were like, I can't believe it. I didn't, I wasn't able to make that. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just, just connecting even people here. I think I'm also just a very like passion driven person and whatever community I am, I'm in, I want to have an impact. And so, and I'm very service oriented. So when I'm in Missoula, I take all the things that I've learned in all these different competitive markets and I'm trying to bring those tools and resources to people here. And I'm very passionate about that. When I'm teaching at the university, to me, it's about how do I level up this next generation of marketers? And bringing you here, it's the same thing with my local business community. How can I provide opportunities for people to have different conversations, for people to make different decisions in their businesses? And so that's what motivates me. So I'm going to do that wherever I am. I love it. And wherever you are next is (laughs) Tulsa. Coming yes, to town. Yes. Excited? Yes, yes. So, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is just like a gold mine. So, last fall, I think it was, I saw the Tulsa Remote Program, which is a really, really wonderful program um, funded by the George Kaiser Foundation in Tulsa. Basically, if you, there were, you know, certain criteria that you had to meet. You have to be able to move within six months of receiving the, the offer and, and, you know, so on and so forth. You can bring your remote job with you and... So they had certain criteria, but I applied and I thought, well, why not? $10,000 for 12 months. And on a whim, I just, I was like, screw it, why not? I'll apply. And I was really excited until I learned that they had 10,000 people apply. And I was like, well, I guess I won't put that one goodbye. And I just didn't even think about it. I completely wrote it off. And then I got an interview and I was like, well, they're probably doing this with a lot of people. And then I got moved on to the next round and I had a video interview. Like, oh, okay. Oh, that's that's your, Get a your element. You killed it, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Put me on video. No, I just connected better in person. I'm so inspired by what they're doing in Tulsa, and I hope to see this happen in, in more communities. I'm very passionate about seeing the reinvigoration of certain communities and economies, and I think they're doing it right there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something I bad. think that's awesome and yeah. a great way for cities like Tulsa, like Missoula, to attract 
talent. Yeah. And to, it's uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And we've already talked about, you know, if we expand, um, you know, our team, I've been very transparent with my boss. If we're able to, I would like to hire that next person in Tulsa. So it's not about just bringing remote jobs there and us having this opportunity and, you know, the $10,000 and stuff like that. But the people that they chose for this program, I think, are people kind of like myself that we share this value around community. So where does that come from? Like, why do you, real talk, listen, yeah. the people that are listening, oh, yeah, no, I know where they want you to be you. honest with them. Where does your sense of community yeah. come from? Well, so my mother's a teacher, a retired teacher. My dad is a fisheries biologist. I grew up in my mom's classroom watching her teach. She was very passionate about teaching. This was before a lot of the standardized testing came through. So she had such a unique curriculum, really, really cool. She did all sorts of out-of-the-box stuff. She just really inspired me that way. I mean, when you go walk into her classroom, it was a work of art. She did so many cool things. You know, and I grew up in a white area, you know, predominantly white up in NorCal, up in Humboldt County. We did have a um, Hmong and Laotian population up there. And when she felt like the students were not educated on their culture, she would bring in parents of students so that they could tell their story, their immigration story and stuff like that. Multiculturalism was always very important to her in her curriculum. It was a forefront in her curriculum. So I was very inspired by that cultural competence piece, watching my mother do that as an educator. And then for my dad, he was really responsible for protecting coho salmon habitat in Northern California and making sure that it wouldn't go you know, extinct. And he was very passionate about those things. So I grew up around two people who were very purpose-driven people, environmentally speaking for my dad, and then on the you know social side of things, um, watching my mother be an educator. I, I, so I've been very inspired by by their models and their work. So. That is so awesome. Yeah. And that's a cliche, yeah, teachers are unappreciated, not, but man, there are some really amazing teachers, and you were fortunate to have your mother yeah. be a teacher that could influence you that way. But yeah. anytime I hear a story like that where people go out of their way to do things beyond the curriculum yeah you know that's for the betterment of their students that's what it's all about so yeah. I, I love that and look what it's done in terms of influencing who you are and what you do but yeah. you skipped over something real quick Uh-oh. the audience wants to know did you guys grow weed <laughs> <laughs> for, for, oh, for people man. that don't know Humboldt County. Oh, come on, for people who don't know. Like, yeah. nobody out there that doesn't know about I, I don't know. If you're not, you know, weed culture, like, Humboldt. We're the OGs. We're, like, where the real stuff came yes, from back like, in the day. Humble, tell them about Humboldt County. Well, you know, I mean, early days, Humboldt was where a lot of draft dodgers were, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it just attracted people. Humboldt State, uh, for one, has had a very strong environmental oh. program. Fisheries, biology. That's all interesting, but we're trying to, I want to know about the, okay. So hold on, let's get to the story. (laughs) So, but I think what I'm trying to say is the area drew a lot of counterculture people who were wanting to live differently. They were wanting to live life differently. They were, um, you know, a lot of them were just little hippies who wanted to be left back alone Mm -hmm. to be able to do their own thing, you know? And um, so they just wanted to live off the grid. They were very passionate about environmental causes, stuff like that. And with that, I mean, it was, you know, I think, you just naturally have people that are doing other stuff. Yeah. Well, that area is very famous for that. Yes. And you still didn't answer my question. Oh, no. By the way, the statute of limitations is done. If your parents were like, had acres of weed back there, it's legal there now, it right? It is legal there now. No, but everyone I knew 
did. So, I mean, yeah, the concept of, like, having to pay for weed is still very foreign to me. I'm like, no, no, I don't pay. <laughs> it just magically appears. It's the Humboldt so, County way. Hey, man, I can't tell you how many times I've dropped, like, oh, yeah, I'm from Humboldt, and people just, like, grab a butt and be like, hey. Are you go. serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Wow. They want you to smoke their shit, man. <laughs> so you can judge it? <laughs> like, okay, that's good and, stuff. Well, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, that's proper. <laughs> okay, we're going to segue a little bit, because so this, no, this is interesting to me. So, <laughs> well, but having grown up in that county, in that area, which is oh, yeah. very famous for that, yeah. what are your thoughts on just the corporatization of that and, and where it's gone now? I actually just was watching, and I didn't get to finish it, but really um, awesome Netflix documentary on the culture of weed and um, how present it was in jazz culture. Mm-hmm. Jive. It was known as the jive. Yeah. You know, and so first of all, I think the criminalization that has happened historically to people of color, mostly, uh, you know, Mexican-Americans and, and African-Americans is horrible. And the fact that predominantly white investors and white people are profiting from something like that when people have been criminalized, I'm obviously very strongly against that. So I grew up in, in weed culture. I grew up, like I said, with kind of the old hippies and the way shit was done back back in the day. Like, it was a different way of being. And so to watch it go where it's gone, like I, I lived in Boulder for a little bit and going and buying weed in a store in, in the sterile environment, I'm like, where's the lady with the mason jar that rides up on the bike and we're going to just like sit and listen to some Eric Biden for a minute and like hang out. That's the, what I, that's the buying experience I want. I mean, so obviously like, like I joke that Humboldt folks are OG, but like, no, I'm not about that. I'm not interested in that. And I'm really disheartened and frustrated with, like I said, the incarceration of people of color. I got to tell you, you just made a point that I quite frankly had not really thought about uh, the criminalization. Yes, obviously seen that over the course of my life, but through big business now, who's profiting and how they're profiting. And wow, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. That's a big deal. It is. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and it, even from the time that I grew up, you know, I was born in the 80s, even the, even the time that I grew up and watching things shift. And humble, I'm a humble folk for those. We call some of those folks the Trustafarians. They're driving those Beamers out in the middle of nowhere, you know, girlfriends with a boob job and stuff. We see you. <laughs> we know where you're at. Like, you know, so we've seen the weed culture evolve. There's also a huge environmental aspect of it, too. You know, everybody that's like, oh, legalize it, legalize it. Well, yeah, well, then you're going to, A, you're going to have to start paying taxes. So you're not going to be able to go to Costa Rica for five months and go surf. And two, you're going to have to treat the environment better. So there's just a lot. It's a complex issue. There's a lot going on that just because there's hippies in the hills like growing shit doesn't mean that they're doing it in an environmental way, you know, environmentally conscious way. So I call that a shout out. You know. That's a, that's a true humble girl. <laughs> Thank you. I love that you shared that. Sorry. Oh, no, that was awesome. Yeah. This is what we're about. Yeah. So, okay, let's bring something back to business real quick because <laughs> you are one of my, my go-to marketing gurus. So what's hot right now? Let's say I am uh, a small business, mm-hmm. right? What should I be doing? What's hot in marketing? How should I be marketing my business? I know that's a As big... A- so as a, are you talking questions. about like a solopreneur or a, like a an entrepreneur or a let's define go, let's go both let's go let's go solopreneur okay. first I just, I just there's a lot of those out there and, and for yeah. you guys that don't understand that concept 
like solopreneur, it can be a couple things. You could be all in. Yeah. But you could also be, the, you know, side hustle. Like, you know, you've got a you've got a job, but you've got a business on the side, which yeah. a lot of you guys out there are doing that. So what should they be doing? What's hot in marketing? It's funny. I just had a lunch with a client, and I literally just got asked this very same question. They're a little bit bigger, so we were talking about AI. So AI being able to do calendaring at scale, um, have some you know responses and stuff set up, um, bots and stuff. So there's certainly things that can help automate for you know larger companies and larger businesses um, that I think is interesting. But the thing that we touched on, and obviously I have a bias in this, is that I think there's a lot of digital fatigue happening right now. Mm-hmm. I think with the rise of remote work and just more people spending time on devices, there's a real sense of isolation. And people are feeling, I think, disconnected. So I think the most powerful thing you can do, and I talked about this yesterday in our business of Urban, is find those strategic partners that you can shine a light on. They obviously are not going to be your direct competitors, but people that you can kind of partner with and create something, create an experience, create something where people can connect. Their I head love and their that. Heart. I love that. And so obviously I'm all about event marketing when I'm in a local market. So in Tulsa, we'll bring you to Tulsa. We want to bring business to We're coming, Tulsa. Tulsa. <laughs> I'm bringing LinkedIn Local there. I started LinkedIn Local in Montana with two colleagues. Started it in Bozeman. We've done it in the state capitol. And I just had my first event um, in March here that Blackfoot uh, sponsored for us. And through their sponsorship, we were able to donate $500 to the Montana Food Bank Network, which helps to feed people in Montana, hungry people in Montana that need it. And so I think people are just hungry, hungry for connection, hungry for experiences that are going to be meaningful. And so I think any way you can you can do that, and I do that by myself here. I don't have a team. I, I do it by myself. So, I mean, I think any time you can do that, you're going to stand above your competition. That's great. So, creating experiences. Because here's what a lot of solopreneurs are doing right now. You're doing what Instagram and Facebook want you to do, which is to throw a shitload of money, whatever you got, at some ads. <laughs> Sponsored ads. Sure. Right? Okay, yeah, here's, let me boost my post and all that. And it's not working. Here's why it's not working, because you can't outspend big business, and they have analytics. They have, you just mentioned AI. Um, I really vibe with what you said in terms of creating experiences. Everyone should be using those platforms, let's be clear, but you're using those platforms to create experiences and to create connections where you can reach out and actually touch someone. Yeah. Because that's what people are starved for. That's right? what I think on a cellular level, people remember. Literally, like a physical cellular level, people will remember the shake of the hand, the smell of a you know a glass, and the you know the drink or what, whatever. Like people remember those tactile experiences. And like you said, of course, I mean for all of my clients, I advocate a diversified approach, right? Yeah. But even this client that we were talking to this morning, you know, they're getting ready to roll out a new product. Start in your own backyard. Can you do our our audience a favor? Yes. Like, your clients pay a lot of money. Can you come in there and consult them and tell them what to do? Sure. Let's give these guys something free. Let's give them something free that they normally would have to pay for. Let's give them some free advice. I'm giving giving a a lot of free advice. You are. (laughs) So, yeah, what do you want? (laughs) So, we talked about the solopreneur. Yeah. Let's go a little bit bigger, okay? You've got a few employees, mm-hmm. and you've done pretty well in creating a reputation. 
right? And, yeah. and that's something that we talked about last night. We talked mm-hmm. about actually branding and all sorts of things. Branding, guys, it's just a, everyone gets caught up in this, this term, branding, branding, branding. All it is is your reputation. That's what a brand is. When you when you see Nike, when you see Apple, brand is simply their reputation. What do you think of when you think Nike? You think quality craftsmanship. You think Michael Jordan. You think I'm going to jump higher. I'm going to run faster. All those sorts of things. So I always like to clarify that with people because I think we get too caught up in that term and not really understanding that it's not anything that's brand new. It's not. This is old school. It's just that, just like everything, we try to make it fancy. Anyway, so back to that small business. Mm-hmm. They've done well. Yeah. Okay. They're doing okay, but they want to get to the next level. Move up like, the value chain a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Again, so I think what works and what's worked for us is, and I'm a values person, so you know when I talk about brands a lot, I, I always want to know why a company is in business and their values. And if I can suss that out and see that there's value alignment, don't be afraid to go reach out to larger, like I said, strategic partners. So they're not going to be direct competition, but maybe they'll be your sponsor for your events that you're doing. And, you know, you're going to give X amount to a local nonprofit. So it's a win, win, win. What should we look for in strategic partners? For me, I'm very passionate about economic development, community building. So for business in Bourbon, we had four financial institutions step forward because there was alignment there. Our financial institutions in Missoula, Montana are supporting entrepreneurs and supporting the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So it was very simple for them to step forward and for us to reach out to them. So that would be an example of like a one-to-one value alignment. That's just a very natural fit. So I think looking for those types of opportunities, like we talked about this yesterday on the panel when someone was asking about donor strategy. If you're a nonprofit even, or for-profit, it doesn't matter, there are philanthropic pillars inside of a lot of organizations, right, that you can check out. Who do they support? What are they doing in the community? You can check out their social media. You can look for potential partners and opportunities to help amplify something that they're about or wanting to do, you know. And I have, so I have a telecom client in town that sponsored our LinkedIn local event. And a big shift that they're making in the state of Montana right now, they've been in business for 60 years. And the big shift that they're making is they're not doing just telecom the way it's always been done. They want to be innovators in Montana. And so they're looking for people like myself who are bringing in people like you and doing the LinkedIn local events and kind of disruptors. That's a very natural fit for them. And they're on board. They're like, whatever you're doing, we want to be a part of. So if you can find those strategic partners in your market, you're building brand evangelists up the value chain. Nice. You guys just got it for free. (laughs) So what I want is if you could all, after you listen to this podcast, just send me a hundred bucks. Just send me a hundred bucks. I'll I'll break. Don't worry. I will break June off a little bit. I'll give her her percentage. Just send a hundred bucks. We just saved you a ton of money. Thank you, June. Free consulting. That's what you get. Business bourbon. Free free marketing. Yeah. Free Free marketing consulting. So love it. June. Yes. You are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the pod. Thanks for everything you've done with business and bourbon as well. Oh, so yeah. um, you we, have a brand evangelist right here. Thank so. you very much. <laughs> and thanks to June, we really had an amazing event in Montana. And every city that comes after Missoula, man, you got you, you got big up, big shoes to fill. <laughs> big big shoes. shoes to fill. But that said, oh, we're gonna work our ass off to make sure that we fill those and 
followed the example that was set here in, in Missoula. Yeah. Thanks to you. So it's season two, and in season one, I always end the show okay. with a meow. But season two, my guests get to do it. You end the show. Okay. All right. All right. So before we give them the we out, any um, <laughs> any sage wisdom or anything you want to leave people with? I mean, I it doesn't have to be wisdom either. You can. I'm just... <laughs> I think I think you touched on this already. I mean, the success of the business and bourbon event was thanks to you know our volunteers that showed up, and thanks to our sponsors, and thanks to so many people in my peer group that shared. We had two people that drove three, three and a half hours to come to this event yesterday. So did they feel they got value? Yes. Yes. So it's nothing new. I mean, people will remember how you make them feel. So I think if you're able to build that tribe around you, um, that's, that's what business and is all about. That's what's up. Now, June, <laughs> with that said, we out. Thank you for listening to the business and bourbon podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.